and welcome to Wonder Grow On, a show where we dig into questions you have about agriculture and try to understand how food production impacts ourselves and our world. I'm Hallie Casey, and I studied and currently work in agriculture. And I'm Chris Casey, Hallie's dad. Each episode, we pick an area of agriculture or food production that confuses a lot of people and try to get Hallie to explain it to us all. But this week, we're talking about Thanksgiving. Yes, not a very confusing topic at all, but we're going to dig into some of the interesting history of some of our favorite Thanksgiving foods. And my favorite holiday. It's such a good holiday. It's such a wonderful holiday. It really is. And this is very lovely and great, but we have a lot to talk about so let's jump right in splash okay corn is first corn is our first thing that we're talking about corn the botanical name is zia maize um it's in the grass family fun fact so the corn itself is a fruit and there's two different flowers on corn one is an ovuliferous inflorescence and the other one is a pollen inflorescence which means that there is a male flower and a female flower corn is the most produced crop in the world but most of it we don't eat a lot of it will go to feed our meat and a lot of it will go into our gas tanks so corn is sexy animal food basically why is it sexy Well, because there's a, a male flower and a female flower all plants have that, Dad. <laughs> of course, now I feel like I'm imposing my gender normative stereotypes on the plant, so now I feel bad. Plants don't have a gender, but they do have sex, and they have sexual organs. Oh, okay. Yay, I'm safe. <laughs> Corn was originally domesticated in northern Mexico by indigenous people around 9,000 years ago. Um, it's a descendant of the plant Tiacinti. And there are still TSNT plants that grow wild in Mexico. You can still find them. No one eats them because it's pretty much just a grass. Corn is a grass. And so this one just looks like a grass. So what did we do? Just like make the, the seed pods oversized so we could eat it or something? Yeah, yeah. It was just a lot of slow breeding over time done purposefully by indigenous peoples in like Mexico and southern U.S. Uh, where they where they just like selectively were breeding this grass to get bigger and bigger fruits on it. Well, thank you, people that domesticated corn. It is delicious. We call corn corn, but pretty much everywhere else in the world, they call it maize, um, except for in New Zealand and Australia, they also call it corn. Um, but corn, the word corn actually just means like a kernel. So we have corned beef, which has nothing to do with maize, like zia maize, the, the plant, but instead has to do with corns of salt. So like little nuggets of salt get put into corned beef. Um, and we have things like peppercorns as well. So the the word corn, when referring to maize, originally came about because we used to call it Indian corn because it was like the kernels that um, Native Americans had. And we eventually just dropped the word Indian and it just became corn. It's also what my grandmother used to have on her toes. No, that's a different, that's a different, that's a different word. different corn. Um, I live in a part of the country that still has a lot of what's called heirloom corn. So there's some sweet corn grown in New Mexico, but where I am, there's a huge amount of blue corn and white corn and other Indian corn that's still grown. That's like these really old heirloom varieties that are passed down through generations. You know what I love? What? Corn bread. How do you eat your cornbread? Is it sweet or is it like more bready? Um, I've had both. Uh, mm. I eat it the way it's served to me. Um, I do kind of like it a little sweet. I also yeah. like it dipped in uh, sort of meat trippings or stew or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
Well, there's there's actually an interesting history to this, and I didn't know this until producer Catherine like researched this and found this out. But whether or not you put sugar in your cornbread is like this huge divide in the South. Um, and we're from Texas, so Texas is not really the South, so I feel like it's not that big of a deal where we're at. Whoa. <laughs> but if you go into the Deep South, there's this really interesting history where black folks in the Deep South used to put sugar into their cornbread, um, and white folks did not put sugar in their cornbread. They had it, like, breadier and, and not so sweet. And then um, during the period after Reconstruction, when a lot of black folks moved up into the North, they brought that recipe for sweet cornbread. So if you talk to, like, white Southerners, they're very adamant that, like, sweet cornbread is a Northern thing. But it's really a Southern thing that was just then moved to the North. Nice. So our next food is yams. How do you feel about yams, Dad? I think yams are delicious, especially topped with lots of marshmallows. No, you don't. Oh, man. You think sweet potatoes are delicious topped uh, with marshmallows. What's the difference? Please, uh, they're not the same they're thing. They're so different. <laughs> uh. So it turns out yams and sweet potatoes are very, very different. Here in the U.S., we typically use them synonymously, but they have really, really significant differences. So the word yam in the U.S. probably came from the West African word niyami, and I could be saying that wrong, so apologies if I am. Um, but the, that word niyami originally is describing what what actually are yams and then the the theory is that um when folks were brought over on the slave trade they started calling sweet potatoes niyami and then that got anglicized into the word yam um because sweet potatoes here in the US kind of look similar to yams in Africa but they don't they're very different so sweet potatoes were already here yeah, so sweet potatoes okay. are native to the Americas, and yams, um, th there's some species of yams here in the Americas, but the majority of yams are in parts of Asia and a lot in Africa. Oh, cool. Yeah, so sweet potatoes are in the morning glory family, um, and they're orange, and they're what we eat, and they're quite sweet, whereas yams are in the discoriaceae family, also known as the yam family. And they're starchy. They usually have white flesh, so they're usually white on the inside. Um, and they're not very sweet. They're, they're like really starchy, kind of like a potato. So can you top them with marshmallows? Probably. Okay, I don't I mean, know if anyone has tried. I bet someone out there has. Okay, if, if anyone out there has access to yams, please send us photos if you can eat them with marshmallows. I, I would love say, to know. I'm a little over sweet potato chips, but other than that, they are basically a nice vehicle for marshmallows, so I don't see why yams couldn't be as well. You know, I don't actually like marshmallows on my sweet potatoes. Who are you? So my are you, Okay, <laughs> listener, I used to make this child homemade marshmallows so we could... <laughs> put them on the sweet potatoes because she's allergic to corn and she couldn't eat marshmallows with corn syrup. So I made her marshmallows with glucose syrup. And now and she's telling me amazing. she doesn't even like them. That was amazing. And it was great. And they're so delicious and like very good. And we wouldn't just put them on sweet potatoes. We put them on other things too. And I think oh. I tried to roast them one time, but they were not very good roasting marshmallows. No, but my favorite way to do sweet potatoes, I think I might have made this for you one year. You take like a lot of freshly grated ginger and freshly grated nutmeg and you like put them over the sweet potatoes before you bake them. And then they're like really nice and spicy. Will you make them for me this year? Because that sounds sure, really good. <laughs> sure. 
I'll do that. We'll include that. Patrons can have access to my exclusive ginger sweet potatoes recipe. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So we are almost through with yams. 95% of yams are grown in Africa. Um, they're grown all throughout the continent, but most commercial production happens in sub-Saharan Africa, particularly in Nigeria and Ethiopia, I think are the two countries that produce the most commercial yams. They're one of the world's 10 major staple foods, which is why I think it's so crazy that, you know, most of America doesn't even know what they are because they're like one of the biggest staple crops in the whole world. And they're also a very good source of potassium. Kind of like bananas. Hopefully the Doctor Who fans out there got that reference. Actually, bananas are not that good a source of potassium. Are you saying Doctor Who doesn't know what he's talking about? <laughs> I'm just saying... Potatoes have more potassium than bananas. What? Yeah, that's a that's a true fact. No way. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, my whole world is crumbling down around me. I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> well, are you ready to rebuild your world with pumpkins? If we can make pumpkin chiffon pie, then yes. I okay. will live there happily. I don't think that our listeners probably know what pumpkin chiffon pie is. You know, it's not very common, but it is one of the things I live for at Thanksgiving. What what makes it so chiffony? I don't I don't know. I've never made it. Um, so I've never made it either. Uh, it's made with gelatin, uh, oh, and it's very light and fluffy. And I'm pretty sure it's even no bake. Um, oh really? But it's amazing. It's like it's a little sweeter and, and a little spicier. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, most normal pumpkin pie. And it's not as dense as normal pumpkin pie. It's very light and fluffy. Yeah, it's incredible. Do you remember the dog food pie that I made you? The what? This is like two years ago. How have you already forgotten about the pie I made with dog food? What? <laughs> you made a oh pie God, with dog food? Oh my God, I can't believe you don't remember this. <laughs> no. So I think, you know, the human mind has this healthy oh ability God. to forget traumatic incidents. <laughs> it was not traumatic. You liked it. Did I? Yeah. Yeah. So I went to the grocery store uh, when I was in grad school and it was a little early in the season. And I went and I asked them, I was like, I'm going to make this pumpkin pie for a party I'm going to. You guys have any canned oh. pumpkin? Because I couldn't find it. You remember this? Yeah. Keep so going. So I, I asked yeah. this like store employee and they're like, oh, we don't have any in that section. But if you go into the dog food section, there is a can that's just, it's just pure pumpkin. It's the same stuff they put in the pumpkin yeah. pie. For humans, but it's just marketed for dogs. It's the same stuff. And so I went and I checked it out. It did say 100% pure pumpkin puree. So I was like, sure, okay. So I tried to <laughs> I tried to make a pie with it, and it had no flavor. I was going to say, like, I don't this... remember actually liking it. No, you did like it. You definitely I did like it. I think I said I liked it. Oh, my God. How <laughs> rude. <laughs> so this pumpkin had no flavor at all. It was kind of gross. And I didn't know what to do because obviously, like, this was a totally different variety of pumpkins. He was wrong. And then it was the same stuff they put in the other cans. So I just put a lot of pumpkin spice in there. Like, I added allspice. I added a bunch of ginger. Like, I just spiced the heck out of it. And it was like this weird, super spicy pie. And it was super good. And I told my dad and my uncle about it. And they were like, you have to make this for Thanksgiving. That's too hilarious. So I brought some of this dog food pumpkin home and I made them a pie. And then I guess my dad forgot about it. True story. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe you forgot that. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I mentioned pumpkin spice. Um Pumpkin spice is not actually, it doesn't actually have any pumpkin in it. It's a combination of spices, which is cinnamon, 
ginger, nutmeg, allspice, and cloves. Cormac originally put pumpkin spice on the shelves in like the 50s, but it didn't really take off until a bit more recently than that in any context other than basically pumpkin pie. Um, in 2003, the PSL, do you know what that is, Dad? No, but I bet it has the letters P, S, and L in it. No, it's the pumpkin spice latte. Oh. The PSL. You know what? People who like your pumpkin spice lattes, you go and you enjoy life. You enjoy your lattes. <laughs> Do not let people hate on your on your uh, happiness. I completely agree. Love your lattes. Absolutely. In 2003, the pumpkin spice latte was introduced. Our producer, Catherine, described this as the watershed moment for pumpkin spice, which I don't know how accurate that is, but I think it's a great quote. And ever since then, there's been a lot of things that have been pumpkin spice flavored. I have this amazing quote that is from a newspaper article that our producer, Catherine, was quoted in. She was part of a newspaper group that was like tasting different pumpkin spice things. So there was like gum and candy and like all these different things that were pumpkin spice flavored. And she got to taste the pumpkin spice M&Ms. And I would love to read you a quote from this newspaper article. There's pumpkin spice M&Ms? So here's Catherine's take. I'm not a fan of the M&Ms, Catherine Arger originally said. I can't get with it. But two days later, she was found foraging with both hands full of these M&Ms. After this incident, RJ wanted to amend her statement to reflect that she can, in fact, get with the M&Ms. <laughs> get with it. This isn't actually a really amazing article. Uh, it's just full of like college students trying different weird, weird pumpkin spice flavored things. So if you would like a link to that, I will put it in the show notes because it's a really funny article. All right. Well, let's take a quick break after all that pumpkin goodness. Okay, here we go. Oh, welcome to the break, and thank you for listening to this episode of One to Grow On. It's Thanksgiving, and really quick, can I just say, I would also like to give a really big, huge thanks to the internet right before Dad and I sat down to record today. Um, I looked at my computer, and the internet was off, and I was like, oh, dang, the internet's off on my Wi-Fi. I'll have to pull the notes up on my phone, and I linked to my phone. And it didn't work either. It was like the whole internet and all cellular <laughs> data for your whole area for miles. All of the internet for literally miles was out, and it was not good. And I didn't know what to do, so I went to my local coffee shop, and me and a bunch of other townies like bunkered down, and we had a real moment of camaraderie. There was jumping and hugging when the internet was restored. <laughs> so big shouts to the internet. It was just me for moments of my life. I had no contact to the outside world. It was like it was 1983 or some other barbaric time with absolutely no connection to the outside world. It's always good to hear stories about people coming together. <laughs> yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, while, you're, while you're eating your big foods, tell your family and friends about us. Yeah. We now have four episodes out, so maybe think about one that one of your family members might particularly enjoy. Maybe they like history. Maybe they like information about food waste. Maybe they like fun Thanksgiving facts. Or listening to us talk to each other. <laughs> so, yeah, pick pick an episode, share it with a family member, tell them, hey, there's this great podcast. That really is going to do a huge, huge help for us. You telling people that you think will like the show helps us grow that much faster. Speaking of huge, huge help to us, 
Uh, thank you to Lindsay, our Starfruit patron. We love you dearly, and happy Thanksgiving to you. And also, thanks to all of these people who helped us during early preparations for the show. Yeah, it's Thanksgiving, so we wanted to give some quick thanks. We've been you know, going for about two months now, and it feels like it's actually really real. There's actually a podcast that we're making. So I just really wanted to quickly thank Tim Hammerich, Isabel Dillard, Rachel Long, Sarah Owen, Leah Whitcomb, Eric Schneider, Miriam Nielsen, Leslie Datsis, Amanda McLaughlin, David Casey, Liz Egan, and everyone else who gave early feedback on the show, who gave their expertise, who gave their time to us and listened to us talk about our ideas and really helped, helped move us along the path to make this happen. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you want to become a patron, uh, the next fruit of the month, or uh, plant of the month, is the sweet potato. Yeah, we didn't get into the sweet potato too much because we were mostly focusing on the yam. So if you want all that good, good sweet potato facts, then you can find that on our Patreon. But now back to the episode. Okay, let's jump back into it. You ready? Yeah, I've got a, uh, I've got one of my nature facts. Only it doesn't have oh. too much to do with nature. Okay, I made a little ditty. That's awesome. Okay, you ready? Ready. Ba-da-da-da-da, nature fact. <laughs> okay, okay. So, do you know why candy corn is called candy corn? Because it's candy and it's shaped like a corn kernel. Yeah, and and if you stack it. It actually uh-huh. looks like a corn on the cob. It actually looks like a corn cob if you stack it just right. No way. It does. I never knew that. I didn't even know that they were shaped like corn kernels. I've just been eating them since I was a kid, although I don't eat them anymore because they're kind of gross. But when I was a kid, I loved them. And someone showed me a picture or posted a picture on Facebook the other day of candy corn stacked and looks like a perfect spiral. So it actually looked like corn. It was amazing. Everyone Google what? candy corn on the cob. The images will blow your mind. Who has that time? I know, right? That's wild. I want to look at these pictures now. This is fascinating audio content. Oh, my God. Right? This is crazy. People are taking logs of uncooked cookie dough and sticking candy corns in them. Yeah, the one that I saw didn't even have cookie dough in the middle. It was just candy corn stacked up. This is so wild. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, that is a great, that's a great fact, Dad. Thanks for bringing that to the table. You're welcome. And that's your uh, nature fact. Ba-da-ba-da, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so our next food item is potatoes. How do you feel about potatoes? Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Absolutely. You know what? I'm actually not as big on, but the more potato products that I eat, the less I actually enjoy them. Like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of over french fries. I'm not as big on tater tots. What? And unless mashed potatoes are, are well-flavored, I'm just, I'll eat them, but I'm not excited by them. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. What That's madness. That's so strange. I don't understand. It's, you know, you get older, your taste change. I guess. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so we often associate potatoes with the Irish because of the infamous Irish potato famine, but they're actually not from Ireland. Can you guess where they're from? Yeah, no, I think uh, Irish people brought them back to Ireland from here, didn't they? Yes. 
So you'll kind of notice a trend. All of the food products that we talk about in this episode are from America. Ah. Except for yams, because we were talking about yams instead of sweet potatoes. Because of Thanksgiving, right? So potatoes are originally from South America um, in the Andes and the uh, South Central Chilean region. Currently, there's still a lot of potatoes in the Andes. When I was in Peru recently, I ate a lot of weird potatoes. There's, I think, 4,000 current varieties of potatoes, which includes a lot of wild, undomesticated potatoes that are not very tasty (laughs) and just like grow wild in the mountains of the Andes. I feel like most undomesticated food plants are not very tasty and you have to like domesticate them and and selectively breed them over a long period of time to get them to a point where you would actually want to eat them. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I'm trying to think of like anything at all that's an example of an undomesticated plant, but I really, I can't think of anything. You're definitely right, Dad. Oh, wild spinach. Wild spinach is still pretty tasty, and that is wild. So there you go. There you go. You can find them, but they are few and far between. Potatoes were introduced in the 1600s to Europe as like a rich people food. This was something that like the gentry ate because it was like this weird new food from the new world. And eventually in the 1700s, it spread wider and it became like something that everyone was eating. And then into the 1800s, it became something that only poor people were eating and was like 90% of their diet. Wow. Yeah. It just, it became something that... But I mean, potatoes are very easy to grow because you don't need to wait until they seed out. You just plant them with the eyes, right? So it it just became very inexpensive to grow them and Irish soil grew them quite well. So it, it just became something that poor people would be able to grow on their own. And then it became less fashionable for richer people to, to eat them because it was something poor people were also eating. It was a huge, huge part of the diet of the underclass in Ireland in the second part of the 1800s. And then right around there, we have the Irish potato famine, which was devastating. Um, a lot of people died. And it was so devastating because when they brought potatoes back to Ireland, they didn't bring that many different kinds. So by the time in the 1800s, it was really just like one kind of potato that people were growing. And it was super, super genetically similar. So when the blight came in, when this disease came in, it was able to spread very quickly because there was very, very little genetic diversification within within the potatoes in Ireland. So... It, it just basically decimated every single potato plant in the entirety of Ireland. And and because it was like 90% of folks' food um, of their diet, it was just devastating. But also, because of the potato famine, some of my ancestors came over here and settled. And so we're here doing this podcast. So, that you know, true. I'm sorry for all the people that died, but uh, silver linings. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's Thanksgiving. I, I really tried not to bum anyone out with this episode, but Fair yeah, enough. Irish potato Fair famine enough. is really hard to silver lining, but way to go, Dad. <laughs> sure. No problem. <laughs> uh, so next we are moving on to cranberries. Uh, oh, I know this one. These are can-shaped. They are not can-shaped, no. <laughs> I mean, you, you slurp it out of a can and you put, slice it up and put it on a plate. How do you feel about cranberries? Um, they're fine. Uh, they look good on a string with popcorn. Uh, they make nice juice. Mm-hmm. And cranberry sauces. I mean, it's pretty tart, but I always get a little bit of it. It's not. It's not bad stuff. 
Yeah. So cranberries are native to the Americas, but they were not ever really cultivated. Native folks used them occasionally, but like you said, they're really tart. They're not very delicious. So it really wasn't a huge part of indigenous diets. And then when colonizers came to the U.S., there's a couple of similar berries that are really common in English diets. Like, I think gooseberries are kind of similar. So, like, they found the cranberry and they were like, oh, this is pretty good. And it became more of a thing for them than really for indigenous folks. And it wasn't really cultivated until settlers came around. And there's this really interesting history with bog iron which is like these little nuggets of iron that you find in bogs and cranberries grow in bogs. So there was like this relationship with like when people would go in and take the bog iron out, then you would grow more cranberries. So people figured out how to cultivate the cranberries in the bogs. Nice. Yeah, they're, the bogs that cranberries grow in, though, are usually dry. So often when people think about cranberries, they think about like those ocean spray ads where those guys are like standing in their waders and they're surrounded by like this lake of cranberries, right? Oh, that's just that's not just a gimmick. That's like they're trying to show <laughs> how cranberries actually grow. So they don't actually grow that way. They usually grow in dry bogs, but there has been um, innovation in recent years and recent like cultivation of cranberries where we do flood the cranberries, like in the Ocean Spray commercial, in order to keep out pests and weeds. And then we flood them when it's time to harvest them. So this is kind of similar to like rice. Like you don't need to flood rice, but we always flood rice just because it can stand in water and not a lot of other plants can. So it just wipes out any weeds. So you don't really have to like deal with weeds or, or a lot of pests if you flood. There's some interesting history with the commercialization of cranberries. So they were not very popular outside of Thanksgiving and Christmas. They became popular in Thanksgiving and Christmas because they usually um, will fruit and are ready to harvest around September, October. And so by the time they made it back to England, it was Christmas time. So everyone would like get them as like a special occasion oh, dish for Christmas. Very cool. Also, they're red. So that's actually how they became popular for these holidays. And they weren't really popular outside of that. And Big Cranberry was not very happy <laughs> about it. So they like tried to innovate all these new ways to eat cranberries. And they invented the Cape Cod, which is vodka and cranberry. I didn't know that had a name, but that is what it's called, which has become a very popular drink. And it's become a very popular mixer for other drinks. And they invented Craisins, which was like the big invention. It's like the, the most successful cranberries have ever been. Now, hang on. There's a note here that says World War II. Craisins haven't been around that long, have they? Yeah, yeah. So they invented Whoa. Craisins um, for World War II to put in like little, those little meals that they send with soldiers. Oh, MREs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and they became popular there because soldiers liked them a lot because they were kind of sweet and tart. And they were like, this is fun and interesting and new. Um, and then since then, they kind of like have scaled up with craisins and they've become like this big thing. All right. Yeah. There's, yeah, I think cranberries are kind of underrated, honestly. Like there's a lot of talk around like these new berries, especially like goji berry, acai berry. Is that how you pronounce that? Acai? Yeah. I've never actually heard that pronounced. I've just <laughs> seen it written and it's like, is that acai, acai, acai? Yeah. Acai is also, I think, an acceptable pronunciation. Okay. But yeah, no, it's just all a bunch of, there, there are more berries. Great. I mean, they are, there are health benefits to them. There are healthy things about them, but there are, cranberries are really healthy. Like there's a lot of good nutrients in those cranberries. They're native to the Americas. They're good. They're a good berry. Good berry. A really good berry. Good berry. (laughs) Okay. We have come to our very last food product. It is turkeys. Oh, 
the of course, turkey. the classic Thanksgiving turkey. Yeah, which I mean, I find myself at Thanksgiving we always have a turkey and a ham. Uh huh. And last year. Or the year before that, someone brought a brisket. Oh, really? And I, I find myself that. enjoying the ham and other meats a lot more than turkey, I gotta <laughs> say. Well, I don't have any information on how delicious turkey is, but I kind of agree with you. I'm not really a turkey person, but I felt obliged to include it because it's so iconic and also because I found some really, really incredible, incredible Ben Franklin quotes. I think if you look turkey up in the dictionary, the definition is giant ball of meat with a head. Well, that's kind of mean, isn't it? Kind of mean? Yeah! <laughs> have you seen a turkey? It's just this Do big, these poor fat... little turkeys with their turkey little families and their, their little turkey lives and, you know... There's turkeys out there. <laughs> yes, there are. It's kind of rude to just say they're a ball of meat with a head. I don't, I don't. I don't think they're feeling the shade. I really don't. I mean, they provide important ecosystem services. I'm sure. They're, you know. I mean, okay. I'm going to come back to this because there's some great Ben Franklin words in defense of the turkey. All right. So this is a really interesting fact. I think so. Across their whole life, on average, it costs $5.69 to feed a hen turkey and $14.65 to feed a tom. That is kind of amazing, I got to say. Isn't that crazy? That is super cheap. Yeah. And I should say that's that's like commercial conventional farming in like a slaughterhouse packed together. They know how to scale up. So we pardon turkeys here in the U.S. If you're not from the U.S. It's so dumb. Every year the president gets... Some turkeys. So dumb. And he pardons them so they don't have to die. And they get sent off to a farm to live a nice, happy turkey life. So this is kind of actually a recent thing, but it's very iconic, I think, because of an incredible West Wing episode where C.J. Craig has, like, turkeys in her office. It's a great episode. One of my favorite Thanksgiving episodes. That uh, was pretty funny, I got to admit. It's so good. It's so good. I love C.J. <laughs> in the 1920s, it became, like, a thing to do to send the first family turkeys. Um, and, like, Girl Scout troops would send the first family a turkey. And, like, junior league clubs would send the first family a turkey. Were they saying, hey, you're the president and the family have a turkey or are they saying hey you're the president in the family we think you're a bunch of turkeys i think the prior but i could be wrong all right there's no real clear start date to when these turkeys started getting pardoned but in 1963 kennedy got some turkeys and he said let's keep them going which is a direct quote <laughs> um <laughs> which meant that like let's not kill this turkey <laughs> All right. Um, And they, like, sent the turkey off to, I think, like, a petting zoo. And then George Bush Sr., actually, in the 1990s, was the first person to use the term pardon when talking about pardoning turkeys. So it's kind of been, like, this weird, slow thing building from, like, people sending the first family turkeys. So turkeys being in the White House became a thing. And then Kennedy was like, let's not kill the turkey here. And then finally George Bush Sr. was like... Let's pardon the turkey. Yay, America. Yay, America. And now it's like this now it's like this tradition that we can't live without, which is so funny. Yeah, once those things start, you can never stop them and Yeah. Meanwhile, there's people in prison for minor offenses everywhere going, you know, why why is the turkey get pardoned? Oh my god. Way to bring it down, dad. <laughs> I mean, I agree. So do you know the anecdote uh, that Ben Franklin didn't want the bald eagle as the national bird? He wanted the turkey? Yes, I did know that, actually. So that's not true. What? 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 So this is actually based off of an incredible letter that Ben Franklin wrote. So he, he never actually advocated for the turkey, but he did write this one letter where he mentions the turkey. And I pulled out some excerpts that I would love to read to you. Okay. So he starts off. 
For my own part, I wish the bald eagle had not been chosen for the representative of our, of our country. He is a bird of bad moral character. He does not get his living honestly. <laughs> <laughs> he goes on to say, uh, with all this injustice, he is never in good case. But like those among men who's living by sharping and robbing, he is generally poor and often very lousy. <laughs> the turkey, in comparison, is a much more respectable bird and withal a true original native of America. And then he finishes off by describing the turkey as such. He is besides, though, a little vain and silly, <laughs> but a bird of courage and would not hesitate to attack a grenadier of the British guards who should presume to invade his farmyard with a red coat on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ben Franklin, for that image. <laughs> oh, man. I would love to see a front line full of turkeys attacking <laughs> anything. That would be amazing. Oh, my God. That's beautiful. I mean, I wonder I wonder if Ben Franklin really had that good of a sense of humor or, or if he really hated bald eagles for some reason. I mean, I think it has to be both. I think it like reading this, you you don't describe a bird as a bird of bad moral character without a little sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, man. Thank you, listener, for sticking with us on our first holiday. This is great. Absolutely. I hope everyone has a wonderful day, whether or not you're in the U.S. I hope your Thursday is lovely. I hope you eat some good food on Thursday. Um, and have, have just a lovely time. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to this episode of Want to Grow On. If you would like to support the show, you can rate and review us on iTunes or consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Pod. If you'd like to connect with us, find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or at our website at onetogrowonpod.com. This show is hosted by me, Hallie Casey, and Chris Casey. It's produced by Catherine RJ and Hallie Casey. Our music is Something Elated by Broke for Free, and our show art is by Mariah Coley. Be sure to check out the next episode in two weeks. Until then, keep on growing. Bye, everybody.